Now we're going to be looking at Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 today, and it's all about Satan. If you don't know the story, I'll just tell you, between Isaiah, Ezekiel, and John, here's the core of the story. Satan sinned, his name was Lucifer, he was thrown out of heaven by God, and when he was thrown out of heaven, he took a third of the angels with him. So a third of the angels are now demons. They're still angelic principles, but we call them demons, fallen angels, and two-thirds stayed with God. But here's the statement that I want you to think about right out of the gate. If Satan was good enough to talk a third of the angels out of heaven, do you think he's good enough to talk you into hell? That's his specialty. And what you're going to see as we go through this, that everything God's for, Satan hates. Everything Satan's for, God hates. It's a very distinct line, and it is spiritual warfare. I understand it plays out in the physical world. You take a look at what's taking place in Gaza and Israel. It's a spiritual battle. You take a look at what's happening in abortion in America. It's a spiritual battle. You take a look at what's happening with gay marriage in America. It's a spiritual battle. You take a look at what's happening with marriage and divorce in America. It's a spiritual battle. When you lose sight of the fact and you think you're fighting a fleshly battle, you've missed the point. Everything that's going on in some way or another is involved in this war between God and Lucifer. And if he's good enough to talk a third of the angels out of heaven after they've been in the presence of God, he's good enough to talk you and me into hell. And that's what we're, we have to guard against. So we're going to read Isaiah 14, but I want you to also be able to refer back to Ezekiel 28. Not enough time for me to cover all of it, so we'll get there. Now, I've told you that I'm from a... Well, when you get to when you get to the redneck part of Missouri, you turn left and you go about another 75 miles, and you'll get to uh, you'll get to where I'm from. And uh, a lot of my buddies are are still there, and uh, they're good guys. I really like them, but they look at life a little differently. And one of them this last week, they were in Hawk Point, Missouri. Anybody ever been to Hawk Point? It's a real tourist spot. No, I thought maybe like all right. Um, well, anyway, there's a magic market there. You ever been in a magic market? That's kind of a bad 7-Eleven, okay? Just, just letting you know. So anyway, he went in. They had this game going on. And he gets his ticket, and he starts going crazy. He said, I want a motorhome. I want a motorhome. And the lady behind the counter is like, dude, the, the, biggest, the biggest prize is lunch. I want a motorhome. I want a motorhome. She goes, you didn't win a motorhome. There's no such prize. He, manager comes out and said, I want a motorhome. Manager said, look, dude, you did not win a motorhome. He said, I want a motorhome. Let me see the ticket. Guy looks at the ticket and it says, win a bagel. Those are the guys I graduated with, okay? I just want you to know. So if you think I'm weird, now you know, well, you know why. All right. Listen, we talk about the fall of Adam and Eve. And when you read the opening chapters of Genesis, it's hard to read. Because when God finishes creation, God says, everything I made is very good. 
And then you get to chapter 2 and 3, and Adam and Eve have already destroyed it. Because they, we call it the fall, where they did what God told them not to do. But I really believe that the most tragic event in the history of the universe is not Adam and Eve's fall. It's Satan's fall. It's Satan being thrown out of heaven. Because Satan was in Lucifer, Satan, the devil. I'll use those terms. They're, it's all the same. Lucifer, Lucifer is his name. Out of all the millions of angels that were created, three of them are named in the Bible. Gabriel is the one who brought the message to Joseph and Mary that the Messiah would come. Michael is the, the head of the uh, army of the angels. You find him in the book of Daniel. And then Lucifer. Those are the three that, that you will find that are named. So obviously, three leaders amongst the angelic forces. Now, for those of you that don't believe in Satan, I'm sorry that you think you're that smart. But if you will take a look at the world and you can't see that there's a war between good and evil, I don't care on what front you look at it on, then you've really missed the boat. Even if you don't know how to define it, there is a battle between good and evil, and there always has been. So Lucifer is in heaven. He's in the presence of God. This is why this is so tragic. Adam and Eve are with God. They do walk in the garden with God. God comes every night and talks to them. And they have a personal connection with God. All right? But Lucifer's in the presence of God always. He was... He was put there from the very beginning. And what do, what do the angels do? What is the number one job of all the angels? To worship God. And he knows who God is. He watched it. Luke one thirty seven. Gabriel said, Nothing is impossible with God. You know why he said that? It's during the story of Joseph and Mary and, and Jesus and the, and the Immaculate Conception. But he says it in the context of, I've been in the presence of God. I was there and I watched him speak and the heavens were created. I watched him speak and the animals showed up. I watched him speak and man became a living being. Gabriel saw all that and so did Lucifer. In the very presence of God. But being in the presence of God... It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for Adam and Eve. It wasn't enough for Lucifer. So what does Lucifer do? He decides a plan, devises a plan where he's going to be God. He wants all the worship to come to him. Does that sound like any trick Satan plays on us today? Oh, some people want to be God of the world. Kings, pharaohs, princes. Some people just want to be king of their town or king of their family. But the pride factor is the same. Here he was in the presence of God and it simply wasn't enough. Stand with me out of respect for God's word. Isaiah 14, we'll begin in 9. Uh, Ezekiel, it's the middle, Ezekiel 28, it's the middle section. We'll refer back to that later. The grave below is all astir to meet you at your coming. This is when God's throwing him out. It rouses the spirits of the parted to greet you. All those who were leaders, pay attention to that phrase, all those who were leaders in the world, it makes them rise from their thrones. All those who were kings over the nations, they will respond, they will say to you, you also have become weak. They thought they were all that. 
You've become weak like us, just as we are. You have become just like us. All your pomp has been brought down to the grave along with the noise of your harps. Maggots are spread out beneath you and worms cover you. Maybe that's one for your fridge right there. How have you fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn? You have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds and I will make myself like the most high. But you were brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. Those who see you stare at you They ponder your fate. Is this the man who shook the earth and made kingdoms tremble? The man who made the world a desert, who overthrew its cities and would not let its captives go? All the kings of the nations lie in state, each in his own tomb. But you are cast out of your tomb like a rejected branch. You are covered with the slain, with those pierced by the sword, those who have descended to the stones of the pit like a corpse trampled underfoot. You will not join them in burial, for you have destroyed your land and killed your people. The offspring of the wicked will never be mentioned again. There's Satan's defeat. You can be seated. Now, if Satan can talk angels out of heaven, he certainly can talk people into hell. And we live in a culture where he's doing that every single day. But who was this guy? Well, look at the names. Did you see the names? He was called the bright morning star. He was called the morning star. He was called the dawn star. He was created, Ezekiel, we don't have time for that one, but says he was the most beautiful of all of God's creation. But it still wasn't enough. Who did he want to be? He wanted to be God. Now, you got to know, you got to know when you're standing there worshiping God that you aren't him. And yet throughout history, isn't that what man's tried to do? Whether it's on a local scale or whether it's on a global scale, there have always been people that want to be God over something. Some people are God over a pond, some over a lake, some over an ocean. But everybody has that desire. I want to be like God. And he wanted all the worship to come to him because what he had wasn't enough. You relate to that? Maybe the next house, the next spouse, the next job, the next million. Maybe it's the next conquest. Maybe it's the next high. That will be what gets me there. That's what's driving Lucifer. He's in the number one slot. I mean, think about it. You have the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then you. I mean, you really can't ask for a whole lot more than that, can you? You are, of of all things created, you are numero uno. Still not enough. Still not enough. Because to be a follower of God, there still has to be that humility. And the pride factor is what's going to ultimately destroy Satan. 
Now in John 8, 44 and 45, it tells us who Satan is. Jesus defines him for you. Satan is a liar, a thief, and a murderer. So it's real easy to find him. You turn on your TV, you pick up a newspaper, you pick up a digital paper. I know very few people know what a newspaper are anymore. Um, but you read about what? What are the headlines? Death, thievery, lying. And you just assume everybody's lying. You don't hardly believe anybody anymore. When you're reading a paper, watching a news feed, Satan is a liar, a thief, and a murderer. Well, who's Jesus? Jesus came, I said, I came to seek and save those who are lost. I am life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Remember, everything that Jesus is for, Satan's against. And everything that Satan is, Jesus triumphs over. So we know who Satan is. I don't know if you saw this story uh, out of Coconut Creek. Somebody fixed me last night. Coconut Creek, somewhere down in South Florida. For whatever reason, their koi fish are dying. Does anybody know what a koi fish is? All right, it's, it's your dumb goldfish that if you put it out in a bigger environment, the goldfish will just keep growing. All right. Well, the, the koi fish are all dying down in South Florida. They don't know why. They're just, their canals are full of dead fish. And they interviewed the people down there and they said, there are no words to explain our desperation and our heartbreak. It's a fish. And don't, don't fool me, every one of you has flushed the fish. This might be one of your fish. But I, I'm listening to this. I mean, I'm watching this live interview. First of all, wondering why the heck it's even on the news. It's a fish. But then I'm thinking, if you went to talk to those people, guaranteed 50 to 75% of those people are pro-abortion. No concern for human life, and yet it's a desperate tragedy that fish are dying. See, that's Satan's move. Where you worship the creation rather than the creator. Now, I'm not rooting against the fish. I don't care about the fish one way or the other. But again, it's a reminder that people will sit around and weep over fish and dogs and cats and buffalo and whatever else, and yet have no conscience over taking the life of an unborn child. That's the world that we live in. See, Satan has to pervert every single thing. So when you get ready to make a decision, ask yourself on every single thing, so is this God's side or is this Satan's side? Because there's only two sides. And everything that you're doing, it's a spiritual warfare. In your marriage, what you're watching on TV, what you're watching on your computer, is this of God or is this of Satan? Because it's authored by somebody. It's on one side or the other. So he's in the presence of God, but it wasn't enough. And you know what? You're here. A lot of you are here today. You're in the presence of God. You're watching online. So glad you're there. Palm Bay, DeLand, we're so glad you're there. Uh, but you know what? You, you, you've all been engaged in worship. Well, worship's been engaged all around you. I don't know whether you worshiped or not. I don't know if you've engaged at all. See, Satan was in the presence of it, but his heart was somewhere else. His head was obviously somewhere else. The presence of God was not enough for him. Oh, but there's more. 
Then we find out that he was in charge of worship. Now, this is in Ezekiel 28. Not only was he known as the bright morning star, but Satan's body, and you can look it up, his body is covered with every beautiful stone that God's ever created. That's his body. And his body is every musical instrument that's ever been created. So he didn't have to walk around with all these guitars and keyboards and, and stuff we've got sitting around here. He was music. I know Barry Manilow said he was music, but no, Satan was music. He was the worship leader. He had the golden voice. He had the golden face. And he was the orchestra. Wasn't enough. Wasn't enough to him to be the chief guy to bring people into the presence of God. It wasn't enough for him to have all these gifts that God had given him. He wanted the worship to be turned toward him. And listen, when you and I don't worship, you are worshiping. If you're not worshiping Jesus, if you're not singing, crying, clapping, there's a lot of ways to worship. Sometimes you sit and cry through church service. That's okay. You're worshiping. Sometimes you're singing. Sometimes you're clapping. But if you just sit there and stare at the wall, well, you're worshiping. The question is, what are you worshiping? See, Satan is the head of it. It's not enough. Let me show you pictures from dinosaur bones. This is out in Utah. If you've ever been out to northeast uh, Utah, it's called Dinosaur National Monument. Uh, I've had the privilege to be there many times. This is a fascinating place. Uh, they pulled over 120,000 dinosaur bones out of one mountain. Anybody ever been to this place? It's really fascinating. 120,000 bones from 72 different dinosaurs. Here's my problem. And I asked this question when I was eight years old, the first time I went there. I said to my dad, I said, I wasn't trying to prove anything because I didn't know anything. I said, Dad, why are they here? I mean, was there a dinosaur convention? And they all said, hey, let's go to northeast Utah. And they all died in exactly the same place. And it takes millions of years to fossilize, right? So they all died and stayed right there. Or was there a flood and these dinosaurs all died in the flood and this just happens to be where their pile landed? I'll let you decide. Carl Sagan, famous uh, atheist. Remember Carl Sagan? Billions and billions of years ago. One of the most tragic stories when Carl Sagan was dying, his wife was holding his hand. And she said, the hardest thing for me, she said, I said to Carl, when you die in the next few minutes, we will never see each other again. She's right. She was right. But the beauty of what Jesus died for us is eternity goes on forever. See, in hell, they'll, they'll not see each other. They'll be separated. They'll be suffering. You read about the maggots and the worms and, and the pain and the suffering. Oh, that's what hell is. And yet people portray it as, man, I want to be with my, my drunken buddies. I've had people say to me, I'd rather be in hell than to be in heaven where you are. And I'm like, well, good luck. You know, I would at least ask for a room in heaven away from me. I wouldn't, you know... 
But yet that's still how people think because Satan has people so, so brainwashed. Listen to this. Jerry Lewis didn't say this. He just happens to be on this slide. He said, if you push evolution and global warming, but you don't know how many genders there are or believe a pregnant woman can be a man, but the man that the baby in the womb is not human, then I think I'll pass on your science. See, we're, we're being told we're anti-science. No, I love science. That ain't science. Not one thing on that screen is science. I love science. Science is testable, repeatable, and observable. None of those things are any of those. And yet, what does Satan do? He twists words. He twists people. Because once he convinces you there is no God, He's, he's lied to you. He's lied to your kids in university. And then once there's no God, then all this other craziness plays out around you. And the spiritual warfare goes on and on. First Peter 5. Peter says this, Be self-controlled and alert because you're enemy. Wait a minute. I don't have any, any enemies. Oh, yes, you do. Whether you signed up for the war or not, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You know, I had a professor one time said, you know, that's hyperbole because a roaring lion doesn't eat people. Anybody want to test that theory? No. The plan is to destroy you because that's who Satan is. Now, here's the counter. Resist him, stand firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So you're in a war. What I tell you from the beginning, you're in a spiritual battle. Every single thing that's going on is a battle between God and Satan. And you don't get to exempt yourself from the war. You're in it. Whose side you're going to be on? That's the question. So there's a button to push. I've decided you can come over here. I also know um, some of you are hurting from Wednesday night. I've heard stories. Uh, the pro-life movie was pretty rough. And if you still need somebody to minister to you, pray for you, uh, there'll be folks over here uh, to pray for you. Today at Andy Romano Park at 6 o'clock, we'll be doing baptisms. So if you need to be baptized, come out, bring your friends, family, whoever else is ready to make that decision. Some of you get out of bed and get down to Andy Romano Park. Uh, if you're in Palm Bay and Deland, see David or Ben. Uh, they'll help you. But listen, Satan is prowling and he's, what's his goal? To destroy you, to destroy your marriage, to destroy your family, to destroy this church. To destroy everything that Jesus stands for, Satan stands against. And everything that Satan stands for, Jesus stands against. So you better figure out where I stand, where you stand, where you want to be when this dance ends. But then the last part that he mentions. It wasn't enough to be in the presence of God. It wasn't enough to be the worship leader. Satan's the key influencer. How do I know that? Because when God threw him out of heaven, again, Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, and you can read about it in Revelation. When God threw Satan out of heaven, he convinced a third of the angels that it would be better to go with him than it would be to stay in the presence of God. You talk about influence. How good must this guy be? Well, he was good enough to fool Eve, ultimately fool Adam. 
But he's an influencer. And all he wants to do is influence you enough to keep you out of the kingdom of God. That's his goal. Very simple. And I want you to think about how important your life really is that Jesus came to die for you and Satan's doing everything he can to keep that message away from you. You know the story a few months ago about the shoes that came out and they had blood in the shoe and all of that. You know, and that was, it's crazy. You know, there was every story in the world flying around about that. But here's what you didn't see. Had it actually gone public, this was their tagline. It's better to be a ruler in hell than a servant in heaven. Now listen, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say that. You know what? I can't wait to get to hell so I can party with my buddies. You got a real warped view of what hell's going to be like. See, Satan's convinced you that he's got it, that, that he's got his own little tourist thing going on. That you can come to his or you can go to God's, and his you get to keep doing all the sinful stuff. No, it will be nothing but suffering and pain forever and ever and ever, cut off from the presence of God. Now, I shouldn't say this next phrase, but you know I'm going to. The Satanists recently came out. The Satanist leaders came out with this quote that really should rattle this church to its core. They said, the biggest benefactor we have in America is the liberal church. The church that won't stand for pro-life, won't stand for marriage between a husband and wife, say things like, well, the Bible is got facts in it, but it's not really true. You know, it was written 2,000 years ago, and you really can't trust that. They said, once the church starts putting that kind of doubt in their people, we win. It's from a Satanist. So he's got one job to influence you. Jesus got one job. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit. What did he send the Holy Spirit for? To convict us and to influence us. But you're the deciding vote. Who's going to influence you? Day to day, who's going to influence you about your eternal destiny? That's up to you. But I'll leave you with this quote. How valuable must your soul be and how valuable must my soul be when the only thing that the devil wants and the only thing Jesus wants is our soul? Father, I pray that today we might grab a hold of what you're up to, that we would understand the battle. And I know there are people watching that feel like they've lost. There's people here that feel like they've lost. I pray that today they would just turn around and run into your arms and say, Enough. Enough. I know what evil looks like, and I've been living in it, looking at it long enough. Lord, I can't convert a soul. I can't change a mind. But your word and your Holy Spirit can. So would you go to work right now? Other people are watching it live. They're watching later as it's taped. Your Holy Spirit can change people right where they are. Lord, you influence them in Jesus' name.